The black female president of Harvard University, Claudine Gay, has finally resigned after weeks of pressure due to numerous plagiarism accusations. Her resignation reads as follows. Dear members of the Harvard community, Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new university, and it was my privilege to lead it as a black female president the past six months. But it's with a heavy heart that I will be stepping down as black female president. There have been accusations of copying the work of others, but that's a giant leap for mankind. I would argue the truth, but you can't handle the truth. This is not a decision I came to easily. Indeed, it has been difficult beyond words. But when I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, seeking words of wisdom. Come quickly. While conservatives will try to claim that this is because of plagiarism, I think we all know the real reason that I, a black female president, am being forced to resign in disgrace. Racism. That is all this is. But I have a dream. A dream that my children will not be judged on the color of our skin, even though it did get me all the way to the Harvard presidency, so maybe it's not too bad. But I have a dream, and when you wish upon a star, your dreams come true. Life could be a dream. Life could be a dream. Boom, bado, badoo, badoodalacia, boom. Harvard, I will always love you. But like a bird, I'll only fly away. I only regret that I have but one job to lose for my university. I can't wait to learn of Harvard's next president, who I'm sure will take this college to infinity and beyond. Signed, Claudine Gay, former black female president of Harvard University. P.S. This is the way. And this is Luke Taylor. Welcome to a fiery, but mostly peaceful podcast. So this is a relaunch of fake news. And so I kind of struggled to do the fake news focus. Um, I haven't done an episode for a few months, as many of you have noticed if you're still here. If you came back, I appreciate it. Good to have you back. I want to explain why in just a minute, why I've kind of changed the focus. But um, I've just been kind of waiting for inspiration the past couple of months. Um, I've just been kind of depressed as I would view the news. I just felt like I didn't have anything new to say to add to all of the stuff that's going on. I mean, yes, the news, the news, they lie as much as ever. But it, I get discouraged because it feels to me like the Republican side of the aisle, that, th- that they care less than ever about what the truth is. They seem less interested in the truth than they used to. They, they want their comfortable lies just as much as the Democrats want their comfortable lies. And so I've just started to feel a little bit hopeless. <laughs> you know, I'm like, why am I spending all this time trying to debunk the liberal media lies? And then, then the Republicans turn around and they're going to swallow the conservative media lies. <laughs> I'm just like, what's the point anymore? So that's why I've been a little bit discouraged, lacking inspiration. Um, so I'm going to I'm trying to just maybe revamp this podcast a little bit, maybe be a little bit broader. And so I'm not cutting out the whole fake news thing entirely. I mean, hey, this is an election year. There's going to be lots of fake news to talk about, but there's going to be lots of other things to talk about, too. So this is just going to be known as from now on a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. I'm still going to comment on the media. I'll still talk about how it's reporting the news. Uh, But this is going to be mainly, I just want to talk about truth. I want to talk about truth for a world that doesn't care about facts. And so my main idea for today, it's the title of today's episode, I want to talk about some conservative commentators 
who you should stop listening to in 2024. Um, if we go back about a year ago to last January, I did an episode called Conservative Civil War. That's because Daily Wire was having this conflict with Steven Crowder, and he was leaving the blaze. He had just been released from his contract. He had was seeking a deal with Daily Wire. Uh, he did not like the amount of off- uh, money that they offered him. And so instead of just declining the offer and politely moving on with his life, he started this whole digital media campaign to try to ruin Daily Wire's business. Like he stabbed him in the back. He released secretly recorded conversations. And, um, you know, here we are a year later. Daily Wire's going strong. I don't see anybody talking about Steven Crowder anymore. You know, and like ever since then, almost all his employees have abandoned him. His wife has divorced him. Secret, There's been secretly recorded conversations of him just being a huge jerk, you know, behind the scenes type of stuff. His His reputation is in the gutter. And so, and hey, I don't, I don't really feel too bad for him. I'm like, I thought he was really revealed himself as a slime ball with that whole fiasco a year ago. But it, shockingly, some people didn't see that right away. They, they picked sides. Some of them picked his side and turned against Daily Wire. And it was, that was a little bit sickening. And that's like, you know, that's what's just got me discouraged. Not that episode specifically, but just over the whole past year. A lot of conservative commentators that I used to really appreciate their insight and their input, and they have really started to just disgust me. Um, I said this at the time. I said this a year ago when Crowder had his falling away. I'd love it if all these guys could get along. I would love it if they could all band together. You know, conservative media, it would be a lot more powerful if they would all stick together. But there is there's just a stark philosophical divide, even within the political right, uh, the cultural right in this country. And um, I'm not sure if everybody in conservative media, I don't think they all have the same goals. And so 2023 has ended up being a very illuminating year, in my opinion. Um, it revealed that a lot of these commentators in, in the conservative sphere, sphere, they're just saying things that they don't even actually believe. They're just trying to pander to a particular audience. What, and a lot of the time, it's what we might call the MAGA crowd or the populist wing of the conservative part of the Republican Party, uh, rather than those who are specifically conservatives. Um, not everyone who calls himself a conservative is, is actually con- trying to conserve anything. And so and, I, and maybe that's a that's actually a good question for me. Like when we use the word conservative now, what let's let's define those terms, because what are we trying? What are we trying to conserve these days? You know, these words like conservative can mean different things to different people. Uh, it might depend on who's saying it. When, we, when you hear someone talk about a MAGA Republican, that might mean something a little bit different when a Republican says it versus when Joe Biden says it. The word conservative might mean different things to different people because it makes me question. What, I, I call myself conservative, but I don't know what's left to conserve. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like not just my podcast needs a revamping. I mean, the culture needs a reset. And so it's like, what, what are we what are we even trying to conserve these days? And those are interesting questions. I'm not going to get into all of it today. Um, I'm trying to make these episodes shorter. We'll see how it goes. But what I'd like to do is just offer my opinion about a few conservative voices that I just think it's time to start tuning out. Um, you know, if, if, if for here in 2024, it's an election year. If you just want the straight truth, if you want people who will tell you the facts and not just tell you what you want to hear or what they think you want to hear. If you want to hear the facts, here are some people I think you should tune out. I want to start with Jack Posobiec. Um, he's been a big disappointment. 
Because this is a guy who was a great source of information a few years ago with the Kyle Rittenhouse situation. Um, Posobiec, I think he's been pretty solid. For, he was solid for a few years, but this guy has just totally debased himself for Trump. He lies for Trump all the time. He just tries to, he, he just, I, I, I don't know if he's getting paid by the Trump campaign or what. I, here's what I think it is. His whole fan base, his whole following, he has decided are, they're just Trump Republican voters. And so he is just, everything he says is to pander to them and cast shade on any other political figures so that he is not an objective follower of the news. Everything he says is to try to make Trump look good, but he just tells some of the most egregious lies to try to make Trump look good and try to cast, cast throw the mudsling all on, on others. And so um, totally lost respect for, for Jack Posobiec, as opposed to someone like Dan Bongino. He's very much similar that he's all in the he's in the tank for Trump. Again, I don't know if he's being paid by the Trump campaign, but it's like he considers his listeners the Trump voters. The thing is, Dan Bongino is very open and honest about that. Like he's very straightforward. As soon as Trump said he was running, Dan Bongino's like, I'm supporting Trump. Um, I don't like to listen to a lot of Dan Bongino. Uh, there, there's some things that kind of get under my skin about him. I think he's good, he's a good commentator. I appreciate that he's honest about his biases. Okay. But not all these other people are. <laughs> Jack Posobiec, if he's not going to be honest about his biases, I tune him out. Tim Pool, I don't even know what Tim Pool's political philosophy is. Tim Pool, if you go follow him on Twitter, he's very popular on Twitter. The guy is a huge liar. He has he has no political loyalties or anything. He's just a Trump shill. That's all, that's all he's going to do is be a Trump shill. He hates Ronald Reagan, but he loves Trump, and you can make of that what you will. But yet. Republicans, cons conservatives, as we call them, flock to Tim Pool and retweet him and repost him all day. And the guy, the guy has no philosophy, no governing thing for his for his life. No one should be listening to him. I don't know why they even start with listening to him. He looks like a Twitch streamer. He doesn't look like a political commentator in the first. I guess, I guess that one could say the same about me. So I won't go down that road. Mike Cernovich. I, I've just, I th used to think Mike Cernovich was pretty smart, pretty on the money. He is smart. Okay. This is the thing. He is a very smart guy. A year ago, he was totally 100% against Trump. Today, he is all in for Trump. And here's what bothers me about Mike Cernovich. He's a very big political voice. He's very, you can tell he's very influential with like these guys on the Daily Wire, um, with a lot of the, the political commentators out there. Mike Cernovich is very influential. Mike Cernovich has no morals. Okay, this man, yeah, he's extremely intelligent, all right? He has no moral scruples. He changes his mind on what he believes month to month to month. Like, he will totally change his mind from one thing to a completely different thing. And it, yet, the, with this month, when he's saying a completely different thing, he's going to say it with just as much conviction as what he was saying the opposite last month, okay? Because he's, he's a very good communicator, very good with his words. But yet, I just don't know what he even actually believes because he just changes on a dime. And so I, I used to think, like, is he seeing something I'm not? Because I can tell he's so smart. But I've come to, this is just a guy who has no, he's, I guess he's, he's a right winger, but this guy just has no backbone about anything. He just, I don't know what, what it is. He goes with the flow, goes, but he's, he's just a good spokesperson for whoever he's trying to promote at any moment. I'm just telling you, it, it, despite how good his words sound, they really don't mean anything. Another one that I think we need to dump and stop listening to 
Candace Owens. Um, and here's what's been illuminating about her. 2023 was illuminating about a lot of these people. But Candace, and, I, and I'll tell you, I've never thought much of Candace Owens to begin with. I think she's always opening her mouth about stuff that she has no understanding of. Uh, she, like, she's very good on a few issues, but there, she tries to comment on everything. Like She thinks that, I guess, because for whatever reason, Daily Wire handed her a microphone and gave her a show, and, they treat, and now she believes that she can speak on any subject, anything, and she's going to be this genius on it. Okay. She's like, she's the same age as me. I'm, I'm like 33. I think she's like 33. Um, guys, I, I'll tell you, I'll be the first to tell you, I know very little about, I know a lot about some things and very little about everything. And she has not figured that out yet. So she, instead of just being an expert, staying in her lane, as you might call it, she thinks she can just comment on anything. And here's what she did. She got into the Hamas and Israel war. And I don't know if she's anti-Semitic, but I, I think she just really doesn't. I think she's just dumb. Like I think that's all it is. Like she's making excuses for Hamas. She's she's kind of she's taking doing what some of these Palestinian protesters. She's kind of trying to play devil's advocate. Well, maybe all these you know far left socialist libs out there lying in the street to protest in on, in favor of Palestine. Maybe they're making some good points. And she just goes off the deep end with that. I don't think she really understands the intricacies of the like these foreign conflicts that she likes to comment on. I think she's just kind of dumb. But then she goes off and she picks the wrong side. And and she said some really really bizarre she said some anti-semitic stuff. So I have no respect for her. I don't think conservatives should be buying her books, paying her any attention. Um you know, here's one more, Charlie Kirk. Man, I tell you what, another guy that I used to respect a lot. But ever since this primary season came around, he has Charlie Kirk. He's he's good friends with Candace Owens, and he he has just decided we need to be all in. As soon as Trump started getting um indicted, and it started looking like oh it's going to actually he's probably going to be in jail a year from now, and and it's going to be very hard for him to win the election. As soon as all that stuff started coming down, Charlie Kirk's out here saying. Ron DeSantis just needs to drop out of the race. Like he just put, turned all his guns on Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is the candidate who most perfectly exemplifies everything that Charlie Kirk is about, about getting back to a grassroots, um, just like bare bones conservatism, where we're actually trying to conserve the constitution and traditional Christian and, and conservative values, um, family values. That's, that is all the stuff that Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA that's what they were all about for years. And as soon as a candidate comes along, Charlie, uh, Ron DeSantis, who is the human personification of all that, okay? Uh, like, the, I mean, you just even if you look at his personal life, like a man who's got a wife and kids, and he's a family man and served in the military, and instead, Charlie Kirk just goes all in for Donald Trump, who's on his third or fourth wife, got kids with all different kinds of women, and, you know, dodged the military, and you <laughs> couldn't be more night and day difference Donald Trump versus Ron DeSantis and Charlie Kirk is immediately just all in for Trump. I'm like, okay, is he getting paid off or what? Where, what is this? What is this? What is... It makes no sense. Okay. Dump Charlie Kirk on it. He's, he's not. And, and, and here's what I'd also say. Here's some of the, one of the, the main principles. I'm not saying it's just a, the, the unforgivable sin. If you want to support Donald Trump, if you want to vote for Donald Trump, that doesn't make you my enemy, okay? I don't think it's the, the best course of action. I've tried to explain that on this podcast. 
that doesn't make me, I don't hate you. It's not my, you're not my enemy, you're not my enemy or anything. But if you are a conservative commentator, if you have a voice of influence within the right wing here in America, and if you're trying to speak to future voters who are going to be picking the candidate in the primaries, you need to be honest with them. And you need to tell them the truth that if Donald Trump is the nominee, he's the one who has the hardest road ahead of him. Because by the time we get to election day in 2024, which is here we are at the start of the year, that is like 11 months away, right guys? 10 10 or 11 months away here. By the time we get to election day, we're going to have gone through all these trials that Trump's a part of. There's going to be all this stuff put out and forward in the media. Everyone's going to know, oh, did he break the law here? Did he not break the law there? Uh, He's been found guilty. They're going to run him through the ringer. We're not going to have an election process that's about President Joe Biden and his failings and the the state of things in America. We're not going to be talking about any of that because everyone's just going to be talking about what Trump was indicted for and how he was found guilty and how many years he has to be in prison. And so are people going to vote for him so he can pardon himself? But in Georgia, he can't pardon himself because that's a different st- legal standard there. So it's like, if 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 you're hearing all this and you've not heard this before, your conservative commentators have not filled you in on the facts. <laughs> like Trump has a very hard road ahead of him and no one's looking to the future and saying, are people still going to vote for the guy after he's been found guilty in court? What if they put forward very convincing evidence? Because I think they have very convincing evidence that he did some of the things that he's been accused of. Well, if people are, are people going to vote for that? You know, I don't think so. And so if, if you have conservative commentators in 2023 telling you to pick Trump and they're not telling you how hard it's going to be for him to win it, they are lying to you. They are not being honest with you and you should not listen to them. Okay. And I'm going to mention, I've been sick for a few weeks here and my voice is just about gone, but I'm very determined to get this podcast revamped and relaunched and not have to like wait another week. So I'm very determined to just go ahead and get it out here for Friday. And so uh, again, thanks thanks for thanks for being a listener. Thanks for tuning in. Sorry my voice is not all there like it, you know, hopefully next time around it will be. One more actually one more conservative voice that I'm just very uh burnt out on by now is Tucker Carlson. And you can go back on this show. I was so supportive of him you know, whenever he he got kicked out of Fox News, I thought it was ridiculous. I thought Fox still think they made one of the biggest mistakes of their history. But he got this new Twitter or X show. It was twi- it was Tucker on Twitter. And then Elon Musk changes the name of Twitter to X. So now he has to be Tucker on X. It doesn't sound it doesn't have that um, alliteration anymore, sadly. So Tucker's got his X show. And I don't know what he's thinking. He just he just platformed. Kevin Spacey uh, on Christmas and Kevin Spacey is an actor. He is a very good actor, very talented actor, but he basically admitted practically to, to trying to rape a teen boy. Okay. So there is that, there's this boy, Anthony, something I think was his name. And he said one time he was over at Kevin Spacey's house years ago and Kevin Spacey tried to like wrestle him onto a bed and, and try force him to do the sexual things with him. And, um, when Kevin Spacey was accused by this kid of, uh, well, he's an adult now, but is, this was during the whole Me Too thing a few years back. And so when he was accused of trying to throw him on the bed and rape him, his, re- his response, he says, 
well, I just don't really remember what happened that night. I, I can't remember if I did that or not. <laughs> it's like, what? What? You, if you were innocent, you don't say, I can't remember if I did it or not. You say, like, that never happened. You know, yeah, I never did anything like that in my life. That's not, but and that's, that's what an innocent person would say. But that's not what Kevin Spacey said. He's like, well, I don't remember what I was doing that night. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, why is Tucker even giving him the time of day? Hollywood, as disgusting and perverted as Hollywood is, they knew they needed to cast Kevin Spacey out. Why is Tucker Carlson bringing him back on his show on Christmas as a or maybe it was a New Year's surprise? Is Christmas or a New Year's surprise? But it's like, why would why would you bring him on there to basically say, you know, oh hey, this is Kevin Spacey. Is he about to make his comeback? <laughs> you know, and uh, it's just told you know. And then I I think I talked about this a few months back too that. Tucker Carlson, he's big on the Jeffrey Epstein stuff, you know, it, it would, for good reason. You know, he's like, it's ridiculous. These people saying Jeffrey Epstein hung himself. And so he brings Trump onto his show and he asked Trump about that. And Trump says, oh, yeah, I think Epstein killed himself. And Tucker just immediately folds on. He just folded on it. He's just like, oh, OK, that's what you think. Whoa, very interesting. Oh, fascinating, sir. Tell me more. And I'm just like, wow. And so I've just kind of lost a, a lot of respect for Tucker Carlson. Um, and I was never, I, I I thought it was important to have his voice in the conservative movement because I thought he brought an interesting voice to the table. I never agreed with everything he said 100%. But anyway, now I'm just kind of like, I don't even care to keep up with him anymore. So d clowns debase themselves and it's disappointing. And for 2024, let's just say good riddance. Okay, talk about a few more things here before we go for today. Um, to kind of go back to what I was talking about in the, in like the opening monologue thing, uh, about that Claudine Gay, um, some of the headlines about this were just totally insane. Um, Harvard from the Associated Press, their headline about Claudine, in, in case you didn't get the whole story, she had, had plagiarized. And so conservatives were calling for her to step down and resign. She also had done this really terrible hearing at like Capitol Hill, but um, and, and so there was like another university president who already resigned because of that. People were calling on Claudine Gay to resign too. They brought up her plagiarism accus uh, accusations and said, look here, she plagiarized in some of her academic work. And all of a sudden, all the liberal media, suddenly they just keep, they're like questioning, well, what's wrong with plagiarism? You know, what's wrong with, with uh, academic dishonesty? <laughs> you know, stuff that when I was in college would have gotten you a failing grade and and could have gotten you a, a to fail a whole course if you plagiarized something. And the liberal media, though, when when the Harvard president, who is a black female president, when it, and her last name is gay, that's probably important to him, too. And whenever she has to resign over the plagiarism, they're just like, well, who whoever cared about plagiarism before? <laughs> Why should a university president be held to the standard that her students are? And so... This was the headline from Associated Press. Harvard president's resignation highlights new conservative weapon against colleges. Plagiarism. <laughs> this is a new conservative weapon, guys. If you plagiarize something and you get in trouble for it, that is just a right-wing guerrilla tactic in the culture wars of America. <laughs> so then this is what the AP article, this is one of the most bizarre lines I've ever read in a news story as they are reporting on this. They say Christopher Rufo, a conservative activist who helped orchestrate the effort, celebrated her departure as a win in his campaign against elite institutions of higher education. 
On X, formerly known as Twitter, he wrote, Scalped, as if gay was a trophy of violence. Invoking, this is what they are saying about the term scalp. You know, whenever you, whenever you get one of someone on the other team to resign, they call it get, getting a scalp. It's a, ref, it's a reference to scalping, yeah. But this is how the AP describes scalping. They say, Invoking a gruesome practice taken up by white colonists who sought to eradicate Native Americans. So they're saying the practice of scalping was something the white European colonizers did to those poor Indians when they came over here and, and took over the land. They say they're actually trying to tell us that scalping is something that the colonists did, that something they perpetrated to eradicate Native Americans. I'm like, the exact opposite of what scalping refers to. Everybody knows scalping was the Indian practice that they would do to the white settlers. And so it's, it is just, we are in clown world, guys. The, the media will tell you literally the exact opposite of reality and, and take, your, take your dollars while they do it. So don't give them your dollars. That's, that's from the Associated Press. Okay. Um, I'll do a movie review here. I'm going to try to do a little mini movie review on, on all these episodes since I'm trying to just broaden the subject matter of what I talk about. And I get, to, I get a chance to watch movies every now and then. I got to watch several here over Christmas break. And I also always try to pick something special to watch on New Year's Eve, right as the clock is turning to the new year. I'm always trying. There's always something like special I'm trying to watch during that time. And in the past, I've watched I watched Mission Impossible. Uh, I watched Avengers Infinity War. Like I always try to time them. I always try to time the movies to where right when the clock strikes midnight is some big moment in the movie. So I picked Mission Impossible 6 when the bomb goes off at the end. That is the moment that it struck midnight for us while we were watching that movie one time on New Year's Eve. And I did it on Avengers Infinity War for right at that moment at the end with the snap. Um, That's whenever I timed it to turn midnight. I did it one time with The Office on a big moment in The Office. And so anyway, I, I just always pick something for New Year's Eve. And this time, I rang in the new year with Dr. Strangelove. As I sometimes tell my wife when I'm watching a movie, I'll say, this is a boy movie, okay? And when I tell her that, I'm saying, this is a movie where I'm just telling you, don't try to understand it. I can't explain it. This is just a movie that boys like and girls don't. And that's okay. You know, not everything has to be gender neutral. There, you know, there's girl movies, there's Hallmark and Twilight, and there are boy movies. And sometimes, sometimes it's obvious that something's directed at a specific gender. And sometimes it's not obvious. You know, Fast and Furious, that is a boy movie series. Okay, King Kong, School Island. That's a terrific boy movie, all right? It's an incredibly stupid movie. But if you get a couple guys together, you're going to have a great time watching Kong, School Island, okay? Dr. Strangelove, it's not immediately obvious that it's a boy movie, but it's a boy movie. And, and it's not a stupid one. It's incredibly smart. The, the main idea of the movie is that mankind is too stupid to have nuclear weapons. And so the mere, and, and it's saying that the mere fact that we have them means it's only a matter of time before somebody does something idiotic and gets all of us blown up. And so Dr. Strangelove is just driving that point home. Um, kind of like that Oppenheimer movie from last year that was, it's kind of making a similar point, but Dr. Strangelove did it all the way back in 1964. And so it, it, and it was very, very clever for its time. If you watch it in modern times, you kind of need to do some research just to pick up on all the jokes. Like every, about every time I watch it, I read uh, like an essay or some kind of historical article about it just so I can glean a little bit more from the movie because it's a very deep movie. And, you know, in modern times too, people don't think about nuclear warfare as much as they did back in the 60s. 
they've kind of calmed down about nuclear weapons. But you got to remember, this movie came out during the Cold War, and there is a lot of paranoia. There is just a lot of awareness about the destructive capability of nuclear weapons. And the other great thing about Dr. Strangelove is it's a comedy. It's a satire of how government functions. I hate to, I hate to call it that because in some ways it's just so spot on. I, and that's really the point of it. But it's a satire of how government functions. It highlights a lot of the dysfunction in our chain of command. And it, you know, it treats all men as if they're basically Tony Stark, but without the charisma. You know, in that first um, Iron Man movie, Tony Stark, he was a single guy. He didn't care about anything. All he cared about was getting with women, building weapons, always building bigger and better weapons and having more than the other guy so you could be the more powerful fighter. That was all he cared about. And the Dr. Strangelove movie is basically saying, like, that's all guys. That's what all men care about. And you just can't really see it because they don't have the, the money or the charisma uh, or the brains of a guy like Tony Stark. And so it's basically saying, what, what if a bunch of morons in nice suits who sit around in the Pentagon and they sit around in military bases, what if they got a hold of the nuclear arsenal? You know, they're, they're just going to get us all killed. And that's what Dr. Strangelove is about. Hello? Uh, hello, Di hello, Dimitri. Listen, I, I can't hear too well. Do you suppose you could turn the music down just a little? Oh, oh that's much better. <laughs> yes. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then... Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. <laughs> now then, Dimitri, you know how we've always talked about the possibility of something going wrong with the bomb. The bomb, Dimitri. The hydrogen bomb. Well, now, what happened is um, one of our base commanders, he had a sort of, well, he went a little funny in the head. You know, just a little funny. And uh, he went and did a silly thing. Well, I'll tell you what he did. He ordered his planes to attack your country. Uh, well, let me finish, Dimitri. Let me finish, Dimitri. Well, listen, how do you think I feel about it? Can you imagine how I feel about it, Dimitri? Why do you think I'm calling you? Just to say hello? Of course I like to speak to you. Of course I like to say hello. Not now, but any time, Dimitri. I'm just calling up to tell you something terrible has happened. And so, you know, hey, I love this movie. Am I concerned that nuclear bombs are going to mean the end of the world? You know, I, I view this movie as a Christian. I place my, my hope, I place my faith, my trust in God. I place my trust in the Bible. And so that means I'm, I am 100% convinced that, yes, the end of the world is coming. <laughs> but, and I'm almost that much convinced that it's soon. But it's not going to be because of Oppenheimer's and Strange Loves. It's going to be because God is ready to wipe everything off the board and start it fresh. And so Stanley Kubrick, who is the director who made Dr. Strange Love, he was an atheist. And, and this movie is really the kind of movie that only an atheist could make. And so I just thought, hey, this <laughs> maybe I was being a little nihilistic, but I thought this could be an entertaining choice. 
to ring in 2024 because I think this year is going to be a crazy year. And um, and the movie Dr. Strangelove, it's also about what happens when just complete dolts, just immoral bureaucrats, when they get a hold of the nuclear arsenal. And thankfully, guys, we don't have to worry about that in 2024. So let's pause here for a message from our president. That's the biggest one right now. So the president was on vacation. He goes, he's walking to his vehicle and a reporter yells, what's your New Year's resolution for this year? He says, to come back next year. (laughs) He just says it. My New Year's resolution is to wake up in the morning to come back. And, um, and, and And she's like, is that, and I'll play it for you again if you didn't catch it all. But then she said, anything else? And he's like, that's the biggest one right now. <laughs> so that's, yeah, I'll let you hear it again. So there you go, guys. That's, that's what we're dealing with as we head into 2024. Can the Republicans top that? Uh, I don't think so. All right. And you know what? I, I, even though the, the format of the show is changing a little bit, I'm trying to really add more segments, not take stuff away. And so I'm still going to do it. What's racist for this week? Everything is racist. I do this segment because it's like for a while there, especially at, starting after 2020, every week something else was being declared racist. You know, rocks are racist. Exercise is racist. This type of food or this hairstyle is racist. And here's the new one for, for this time. If you hate body odor, you might be a racist. <laughs> the headline from The Guardian, hate body odor? You're more likely to have right-wing views. And so this is what The Guardian says in its reporting. People who have a greater tendency to turn up their nose at the whiff of urine, sweat, and other body odors are more likely to have right-wing authoritarian attitudes, research suggests. <laughs> the study also found having a greater disgust for body odors was linked, albeit in a small degree, with support for Donald Trump when he was a presidential candidate. <laughs> so they're they're making the you know when the media says um, right wing views that you got to remember that to media that is equated with racism, and so that's why it says here in the article, the team say the findings support the idea that a feeling of disgust might partly underpin social discrimination against others, with the link rooted in a primitive urge to avoid catching diseases from unfamiliar people or environments. And so that's, if you don't like smelly body odor, if you think, if you think Jimmy, who you're sitting next to at the baseball game, if he needs to go put on another swipe of deodorant, you might just be a right-wing racist. That's what this, that's what they want you to know. Okay. Uh, And so that's the guardian. Once again, if you have any hate mail, you want to send me about today's episode, you can send it to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. Same email address as always, fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. That's where you can send anything you want to complain about from today's broadcast. But hey, if you have been listening, I do appreciate that. So thanks for thanks for joining in. Hopefully my voice comes back a little bit stronger in future episodes. And as speaking of future episodes, I do a couple other podcasts. I also do one called Cross References. It's a Bible study podcast. And you can find that wherever you find this one. I also do one that's a brand new one called Weird Stuff in the Bible. 
Haven't even had 10 episodes of this one out yet, so it's pretty new. And I'll play the trailer for that one if you'd like to hear it. Or even if you don't, but I'm going to play it anyway. I think we could all agree, the Bible has some strange things going on in it, right? Talking donkeys, six-fingered giants, and don't even get me started on some of the wild things that Jesus says. But when you come across something odd in the Bible, most of us probably just skip right over it. I'm going to encourage you to sit on those things a little longer. Let's linger on some of those passages or verses whose meaning seems unclear. God put it there for a reason. Let's find out what that reason is. Weird Stuff in the Bible is a podcast where we explore scripture passages that are bizarre, perplexing, or just plain weird. My contention is that it's not the Bible that is off base. We are. The Bible teaches us that there is a spiritual reality, not just what we see with our eyes and hear with our ears. There's a lot more going on out there than what we perceive. And the Bible tells us more about it than you probably realize. So this is a podcast that answers all those questions that you were too embarrassed to ask about in Sunday school. If you like weird stuff, or if you like the Bible, I've got a podcast for you. My name is Luke Taylor. Subscribe to this podcast today, Weird Stuff in the Bible. So if you like Bible studies, or if you just really like the sound of my voice, although I'd find that hard to believe after today's episode, but you can go listen to Weird Stuff in the Bible or Cross References. And uh, let's close down for today. Uh, I just want to talk a little bit about what we could expect for 2024, which is I have no idea. I just, I'll, here's all I know. I think it's going to be crazy. <laughs> I think a lot of fuses have been lit and those fuses have burnt down pretty short as we head into this new year. And that means many of these things are just about to blow. And let's recap some of those things. Number one, it's an election year. And every election for like the past 20 years has just gotten more and more vitriolic than the last. And so I'd say, based on the current trajectory of things, we could see bigger sparks than ever, you know, with this year's election. Because it's like they just keep getting meaner and meaner. I've seen it. This is like, I would say I've been able, I can distinctly remember the past seven presidential elections. And I think every single one has gotten more heated than the last. And so here we go, guys. And not just an election year, but all of Trump's indictments. He's been indicted over like 90 times. We've never had a major party candidate in an election who's been indicted like this and is under this kind of investigation, even though it's become more common. In 2016, both candidates were under investigation from the FBI and and, you know, it's like th this, it has been ramping up more and more. Well, now we've got Trump under four different sets of indictments from like four different prosecutors. And so never seen something like this before, guys. And Trump almost certainly is going to be found guilty. When you have 90 charges, you know, something's going to, he's going to be found guilty on something. And, and I think on some accounts, he probably is guilty. And so I went through all this on a few episodes. Um, and some of the recent ones here on this podcast from like the most, the most, Recent ones that I've done, which has been a little while, but I went through all these indictments and I was like, some of these things he did do what they said he did. And so what I see foresee happening is Republicans are not going to accept those guilty verdicts because they're going to believe he's actually innocent or they'll just say that Democrats who did the exact same things were let off the hook, which, which is true. But if the Republicans push forward on nominating Trump to give him a third go around at the presidency, and that is what they seem intent to do based on the data right now, 
then as I said earlier, this election is not going to be about Biden. It won't be about his failing policies. It's going to be all about Trump and all of Trump's court cases. And I would imagine he's going to be under house arrest by the time of the election. I do not expect, I could be wrong, but I don't expect there to be the, the presidential debates this October like there typically is. I expect Biden to weasel his way out of it because Trump's going to be under house arrest anyway. And so um, there's a lot of things that are in the works that are, I just see, I don't see any way around it. <laughs> I just see all this stuff coming down the pike. We just set a record here in December for the most border crossings down at our southern border. There, it has been out of control ever since Biden became president. It is out of control on that border. We've never had so many people pouring into our country and something's going to blow on this, guys. You know, terrorists are going to slip in or something. There's going to be some kind of economic crash because of this. I'm just saying it's, it's coming. I don't know when. I don't know what. But there is going to be some kind of consequence of this that people just didn't see coming because I don't know anywhere that's ever had this kind of influx of people like what we've had seen going on on our southern border. And um, and it's it's all under Biden's control. You know, he's letting this happen. But something is going to blow. There are so many issues where the stage the stage is set for sparks to fly. I heard Ben Shapiro say 2023 was the year of the dominoes being set up. And 2024 is the year that they're going to fall. And I, you know, I haven't even, you think about all these crazy random things that happened in 2023, Chinese spy balloons, the Titanic submarine, the Durham report, the Daniel Penny case, the, the Bud Light, the stuff that Target and the, what happened in Pride Month, um, Elon Musk, Richmond, North of Richmond, AI, UFOs. It's like, look at all these wild random things that happen. What's coming next? We just can't even predict it because so many random things that you couldn't see coming happen on a worldwide front. The United Nations is set to take on a lot more control of our healthcare systems here in America. Um, that is, I think, set to take place in May of this year. And that's going to mean we're not going to have like legal sovereignty over how we deal with pandemics in the future. You know, our rights as citizens are not going to matter. We had a lot of rights that protected us during COVID that kept the government from doing too much to oppress us during that time. But the UN is trying to take over our country's response to pandemics to where our rights are not going to matter anymore. That is in the works, guys. Um, so that, and that's set to come down the pike this year, I think in May. We've never had, and speak, I spoke at AI earlier, we've never had an election season with the advanced AI that we see today. Who knows what that's going to mean? You know, it's, there's always bots during elections, but they're about to get a lot smarter than they used to be. Um, we've never had an election where information was so free because we have Twitter, you know, but... That's going to drive the Democrats nuts. And I mean, if they sense that they can't control the flow of information like they like to do during elections, they might try to shut down Twitter or they might flood it with bots on Twitter. So, you know, it's like it, we just don't know what's coming at any moment. The Democrats, if they wanted to, they could reignite the race riots at any moment. They could the WHO could declare another pandemic. You know, I, I don't think either of those things are going to happen. I don't think the globalists need to do those things to, to win the election or to move forward with their agenda right now. I think they are going forward just fine. But if they wanted to, they could do it. Um, there's a film coming out this year about a new modern American civil war. And it's like, OK, does that mean anything uh, that there's a movie coming? And here's what it means to me is coming out because there's an appetite for that. You know, that's a subject matter that's on a lot of people's minds. 
the, uh, you know, a hot shooting war between Americans, Americans versus Americans would, would that actually happen? That's what something, that's what people are wondering about nowadays. And if you think about it practically, the Democrats don't have guns. You know, they're the anti-gun crowd. It only, it, the only way you could have an American civil war is if the Democrats controlled the military so they could use the military against the Republicans. And, and it's just, it's like the, this movie is playing with those ideas of that's, that's what would have to happen. Um, we also entered this year with two major wars that are going on in the world, the Russia-Ukraine war and the Israel and Hamas war. And both of those con- conflicts between those countries, they have real possibilities of other countries getting involved. I just saw in the news today, North Korea is giving missiles to Russia that they could use in their war against Ukraine. So both of these conflicts have a real possibility of blowing up into some kind of world war or just an even greater conflict. And the U.S. is involved in both of them, by the way. And so we could get drawn in even more. Am I saying all this to scare you guys? No, I'm not saying it to scare you. I'm not scared. Like I said before, my faith is in God. Um, I'm just saying, I think this year is going to get a little bit wild. I think those are some of the pieces on the board. Those are some of the fuses that have been lit. I don't know which of these metaphorical bombs is going to go off first. I can't tell you what's going to happen. My prediction, as I've kind of said, I think Trump gets found guilty, goes to jail or house arrest. And I think Biden wins re-election by an even greater margin of victory than what he did in 2020. And I think that because that's the plan that Democrats have crafted. <laughs> that's what they've put all the pieces there for. And Republicans have decided their best plan of action is just to go right along with it. <laughs> and so that's what I see coming. But, you know, if you go back on this podcast, you can see I'm notoriously bad at predictions because honestly, nobody knows what the future holds. But they have made plans. And I will, I will say, I don't think it's the smartest course of action to just go along with those plans. And I don't think Republicans have plans for what's going to happen if the Democrat plans come to fruition. You know, what are the consequences of the Democrats finding a political candidate guilty during an election year? I don't know how Republicans are going to respond to that. So I think we are in for a wild ride. Get your popcorn ready and uh, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast so we can talk about it as it all plays out. I knew when I started this podcast in 2021, I knew I had to make it at least to 2024 and somehow cover whatever was going to happen that year. And so here we are. As a black female president of Harvard once said, it's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. I'm sorry too, Dimitri. I'm very sorry. All right, you're sorrier than I am, but I am sorry as well. I am as sorry as you are, Dimitri. Don't say that you're more sorry than I am because I'm capable of being just as sorry as you are. So we're both sorry, all right? All right.